This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, please guide us as we try to understand uh, what you have said. In Jesus' name, Amen. As some of us are in the midst of uh, our exams, yes, and there are all these tests that we must sit through. There's the spellings, the things, yes, the maths test and all that. So if we skip uh, any of those tests, then we can't pass those subjects. Earlier this month, uh, Wing Yi shared a picture of what her student wrote in the test. So the student wrote, don't ask me why, I, don't ask me why, because I don't have time for this. And Gold also shared a picture of uh, her student. So her student drew a turtle in the exam, and this turtle we've had a speech bubble, and the speech bubble said, one more mark, please. Yeah, so I, I think uh, Golda and Wing Yi showed no mercy to these people. <laughs> so in our passage, we, we too see a test. And this test, uh, it's, there are two papers to this test. So the first test is, do you treasure God? And the second, te- second paper is, do you trust God? Now the one who gives us these test, this test is Jesus. Now, Jesus is God's chosen king to save the world. So so far he has arrived in Israel and he shows that he is God's king by healing people, by doing miracles and by teaching. And now in chapters, between chapters 5 to 7, this is Jesus uh, teaching people uh, how to live as God's people, how to live in the kingdom of heaven. So last week we learned that, that God's people must seek God in the religious setting. So not to do the, the outwardly impressive religious duties to, to gain other people's respect, but to focus on the inward, uh, the inward aspect, to f- focus on pleasing God rather than impressing men uh, with their outward religious righteousness. Today, the, Jesus focuses on the day-to-day, our day-to-day lives, the everyday setting. So let's see what Jesus says about living in his kingdom. So paper one is about treasuring God. Now there are three parts to paper one. So the first part is in verse 19 to 21. So what's part one? Verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the first test is, where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? Verse 19 to 20 give us two options, two very different treasures, treasures on earth and treasures in heaven. So let's explore option one, treasures on earth. So what are these treasures on earth? So these treasures on earth are the treasures that are transient. These are the treasures that are that will fade away. So in Jesus' time, the people don't trust banks that much, so they kept their valuables in uh, locked up in safe places. So the picture in that you see in verse 19, the one uh, is a, is a, is of a farmer who has a big store of grain, and what he did with this big store of grain is he he locked it up and kept it in a barn because he thinks that this barn is safe, but one day, some rats and some moths managed to break into the barn and they ate up all the grain. So that one day when the, the farmer gets hungry, he wants to he wants some grain from his storehouse. He opens the door and he realizes 
that that the moths and the rats have eaten all his grain. There's none left. So is Jesus referring so what are these treasures in heaven? The treasures on earth? Is Jesus just referring to the food and clothes uh, that will get eaten up? Or is Jesus talking about the money uh, that thieves can steal? Well, I think that Jesus is referring to anything on earth that is transient, anything on earth that will disappear compared to the treasures in heaven. This means everything, any treasure on earth. So everything on earth will disappear into oblivion. Or the new dress, the new car, uh, the new computer, the new house, all the achievements you can gain here. Or even the reputation you have for being an outwardly religious person, all that will fade away. Now that is option one. Treasures on earth that will fade away. Now what is option two? Well, option two are the treasures in heaven that will never disappear. So these are the rewards that the Father gives for the inward righteousness. These are the actions that seek to please God rather than impressing other people. These are the treasures God gives for treasuring God. What you treasure shows where your heart is. So if your treasure, if your treasure is God, if you treasure God, then your heart will be in trying to please God. Otherwise, your heart will be in the things of the earth. They are all fading away. But for the people of Jesus' day, uh, the heart doesn't represent the, the passions, the emotions like we do today. For people of Jesus' day, the heart represents the inward will, the inward thoughts, the inward person. So what Jesus is saying here is, your heart, your inward person must be, must be centered on trying to gain more treasure in heaven, in trying to please God more to try to gain the heavenly reward. But we like to think of verse 21 the opposite way. We prefer to flip the verse around and say, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. So if you ask any Christian, right, where should our hearts be focused on? And they will, they will always say, our hearts should be focused on the things of heaven. They know the right answer. But many Christians don't live this way. So even though we say that our hearts should be focused on things of heaven, we live as if our treasure is about the things on earth. You, you see, we treasure the things of earth more than we treasure the things of heaven, the material blessings, the praise of others rather than the praise of God. So a Christian leader once said, Open transgression of God's laws slays its thousands, but worldliness slays its tens of thousands. Open transgressions of God's laws slays its thousands, but worldliness is tens of thousands. So one way for us to reduce uh, this, the hold of, of the treasures on earth on us is to you know, share it with other people or to use them for God's use. So if you can't, then perhaps or don't get these things in the first place. But for me, uh, I have quite a lot of Christian books. And I like to keep my Christian books in very good condition. I don't like it when the cover gets creased. Or when you just, some people, you, you, the way that you read your books is you like open it flat. Or if you, if you open my books flat, I'll get a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, so I like to keep my, my, my books in a perfect condition. So I'm very wary of, uh, very reluctant to lend people my books. 
you know, I'm very re- I'm very reluctant to let people read read some of my books so that they can grow so that they can grow, know, know God better. Because sometimes they come back creased. Sometimes the back comes back folded. And sometimes, uh, I don't know, somehow the book gets wet or gets a coffee stain. And, I, and uh, perhaps it's not so bad, but sometimes people forget my books. So because they forget to return my books, then I don't think about them, so I don't, I don't feel so bad. So I want to store up my books on earth, but I am, I am not willing to invest these books for others to gain my treasure in heaven, to please God. So what this passage is telling me is that I need to share. I need to share my books with others more. So where is your treasure? Is your treasure on earth or is it in heaven? So Jesus has more to say about choosing the right treasure. So that's on the, that's the next part of the first paper. So the next question is, are your eyes healthy? So verse 22 to 23 say, The eye is the lamb of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If, the, if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You can either have healthy eyes or unhealthy eyes. So Jesus says here, your eyes must be healthy. It's only if you have healthy eyes that your whole body will be full of light. See, the kind of eyes you have affect the, affects the whole body. So what does it mean to have healthy eyes? So the Greek word for the word healthy means single. Single. So to have single eyes. So to put to put it together with what we just saw, Jesus is saying that we must have a vision, we must have eyes that are focused on one thing, on a single thing. That is, our treasure in heaven. To please God more for his reward. If our vision is on anything else, then that will not please God. We will be opposing opposing God. We will be doing evil to God. It's it's so bad that Jesus uses the imagery of darkness to describe what we are doing. And that, and not just that. Verse twenty three says, "Well, if you think you have healthy eyes but you don't, then you are then you're, then you're greatly misled. If you think that what you're doing is good." but actually it's evil, then your whole body is full of darkness. If you're doing what is good, but without any reference to God, then what you're doing is evil. So where your vision where your vision is affects you spiritually, whether you have light or darkness, whether you please God or whether you rebel against God, whether you have life or death. So do you have healthy eyes? Here's the next part of the first paper. Who is your master? Who is your master? So this is what Jesus says in verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So Jesus wants you to think about slavery. So slavery is not the way, it's not uh, employment today. See, a slave is the property of his master. So he, the, his master owns him. So the master can decide what this slave does. So this slave can only be a property of one master. He can only be devoted to one master. 
and all the other masters he has to ignore. He has to hate all other masters. So in the same way, we can only serve one master. You either serve God or we serve something else. We can only be, we can only love and be devoted to one master, not to two masters. So serving God as your, serving God as your master means that you obey what God says. So he's the one who has authority in your life. So if he says, make disciples, then we must tell people about Jesus. If he says pray, then we must pray. Jesus, oh God here, God is the boss. What God says, we must do. The example of a rival master is money. So Jesus says you cannot serve both God and money together. You see, master money wants you to make more money. Master money wants you to hoard the money you've earned to spend on the things that you want. But there will be a conflict with God, the master. Because God wants you to please him. So this means using your money to please him. This could mean to use your money to support missionaries, to support orphans. So you cannot serve God 50% of the time and serve God 50% of the time. No, that doesn't work. You can't even flirt with money as your master. You can only serve one master. So who is your master? So in paper one, we have three questions. Where is your treasure? Are your eyes healthy? Who is your master? These are three important questions to tell us, to help us see whether we treasure God. Now, why do we treasure, why do we struggle to treasure God? Well, that's because the things on earth, the things that we see around us, these seem more tangible. See, the money we earn, the clothes we buy, uh, the, the tech stuff we buy, these seem real. If we lose these things, then we will, we feel that we feel that we have lost the benefit we've gained from these things. But this doesn't always happen with God. See, when we, practically, when we don't treasure God, our life seems to go on. Nothing seems to go wrong. My friends, that's the short-term view. One day, all these things, all these so-called tangible things, all these treasures on earth, these will fade away. Even your body will fade away. And when you stand before God, you will have nothing, you have no treasure in heaven. Now, Monopoly uh, is an old, it's an old school game. So I'm not talking about the McDonald's game, I'm talking about the Monopoly Monopoly. So in the, or, in the original board game, uh, each person is supposed to uh, get as much money as they can, get, get as much land as they can, get as much hotels, and try to bankrupt all the other players. And the game ends when there's only one player left, and with all the land, with all the money, and everyone else is bankrupt. But the instructions miss out one vital step. That is, after someone wins, put everything back in the box. Now, the winner cannot take the Monopoly money and go to buy land or buy hotels in the real world. No, all that money doesn't belong in the real world. He needs to pack it up in the box. In the same way, everything we have now, every earthly possession we have now, will not last. Even if we have stored up lots of treasure, even if we have worn in this life, well, we must pack it up into the box when we die. Well, these things will not cross over to the real world from into the real world in heaven. 
So do you treasure God? So that's what paper one is all about. Now you might wonder, will I lose out on earth if I treasure God only? I mean, if I seek to please God in a world that is hostile to God, can I survive on earth without treasure in heaven? What if I have a family? What if I have aged parents to care for? Can I still survive? So this is paper two of the test. Can God be trusted? For those of us who try to, for those of us who want to please God, the treasures of heaven are what is what is most important to us, far more important than the than the treasures on earth. So because of that, verse twenty-five says, well, "Therefore, don't worry about things about life on earth." So verse twenty-five says, "Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is our life more than food, and the body more than clothes?" So the the areas that people that uh, the areas that people who follow God are concerned about are the basic stuff, the, like clothes, like food. So Jesus says, tells his disciples, oh, don't worry about these things because you, their lives are more important than food, than clothes. Then Jesus shows that God does care in food and clothes. And the way that Jesus does that is to look at, he looks at nature. And if God cares for nature, how much more will God care for you, his children, who are more important than nature? So first, Jesus tells his disciples to go bird watching. Verse 26 says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Now Jesus here isn't referring to the birds at Jurong Bird Park. Jesus is referring to the wild birds, like the crows, like the miners. Now these birds don't have fridges where they store their food for a rainy day. So they need to look for food every day. If they find a worm, it's because God gave it to them. If they find some leftovers at the Kopitiam, it's because God gave it to them. So if our Heavenly Father is so generous to these birds, surely God, your Father, will be generous to you, to His children, children who... Who value, who are, who are much more valuable to him than the birds. Children who stop treasures in heaven by pleasing him. And no amount of worry will give his children more food to sustain them, more food to help them to, uh, have another year of life, more food to grow well, another centimeter of life. God's children will live by God sustaining them. And God will also make sure that his children have clothes to wear. So verse 28 says, And why do you worry about clothes? See see how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Now the, the, the flowers of the field are like the wild shrubs the weeds around them. These flowers don't do anything to make clothes. Yet God clothes the, this insignificant grass. So if God clothes this insignificant, insignificant grass, surely God will clothe you, His children. God will clothe His people. So His people 
must have faith, must believe that God cares for them. So can God be trusted to care for you? Yes, he can. So the issue isn't whether God can be trusted or not. The issue is about us, whether we trust God or not. Verse 31 shows us what people are like, uh, these people who don't trust God. Verse 31 says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we wear? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. The pagans here are the people who don't trust God. These are people who cannot call God their Father. They don't believe in the Heavenly Father. So they have no heaven to look forward to. What they, the only thing they have are the things of earth. So they, their only cons, that is their only concern about the things of earth, about the treasures on earth, about their food, about their clothes. Everyone needs food and clothes. It's obvious that everyone needs these things. So that's why God's people can be sure that God knows because it's obvious to him. So verse 32 reminds us that God knows his people need them. So how should his people, how should his children respond? His children should respond by trusting God to provide, by seeking his kingdom, by seeking his righteousness. So verse 33 says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Seeking God's kingdom and seeking God's righteousness means that his people must pursue, must run after his kingdom, must strive after it. They must strive to do this. They must strive to make God the king in their lives, to keep God as an authority and the treasure of their lives so that what God says is right is what, is, is what matters to us. So they don't need to be, wor- to be worried about their needs They don't need to think that God had an off day and forgot about them. No. God is their heavenly father. God loves his children. His children have heaven to look forward to. So they don't have to run, they don't run after the things of earth, the treasures on earth like the pagans. Instead, they run after, they chase after God's kingdom and God's righteousness. Not just for that day, but for tomorrow. Verse 34, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So God's people can trust God to, uh, for the troubles of tomorrow, of the day after, of the following year, and for the next million years. God cares and God will provide. And if they can trust God for the most basic stuff, they must trust God for all of life. Now you might ask, what about those disciples who don't have enough food? Or maybe they are born in poor countries. Maybe they are being persecuted for being Christians. Does it mean that God missed them out? No, God hasn't forgotten them. See, God still cares for them. And God wants them to keep trusting in him, to keep pursuing his kingdom and his righteousness. Perhaps God will use their suffering uh, to call them into heaven where they will no longer suffer where they will, they will be in paradise and will be with him forever. And for us as Christians who are not facing poverty, who are not facing persecution, 
if you know, if we know of Christians who don't have the basic needs, then we need to listen to what this passage says. We need to submit to God the Master to provide for provide food, provide clothes for our brothers and sisters, so that God the Master can provide for them through you. So the second test is, can God be trusted? The answer we see is yes, God can be trusted. God is trustworthy to meet your needs. You must trust him as you seek the treasures in heaven. Uh, let's round up the two, the two papers. The two, te- the two, two papers are, do you treasure God? And do you trust God? Now, both papers are linked. You see, not treasuring God, not trusting God are symptoms of something even deeper. Storing up earthly treasures and worrying are signs that we don't trust God. So that means worry, worry is a theological problem. Worry is a form of atheism. Because you worry, it means that you don't trust God, you don't believe in God. And when you worry, the natural, the natural, the natural solution is to store up earthly possessions so that we have some form of security, so that we have some form of safety. There's this documentary that talks about how companies uh, make consumers uh, buy their, thing, their products. So if I'm not wrong, the, the documentary is called, uh, I can't remember what the documentary is called, but I remember I, I watched, the first time I watched it, it was on Fox Crime. Yes. Serious, it was on Fox Crime. So the one tactic they use is called uh, fear marketing. Oh yes, uh, the people, the men who make us spend. Yeah, that's the documentary. So one of the tactics they use is fear marketing to make you fear a loss, fear a potential loss, and you will buy their product to solve your problem. So one mouthwash company, uh, they they try to they are, they're aiming at the problem of bad breath. So what they did is they gave bad breath a scientific name and they gave it a, they said that this is a disease. So in order to cure yourself of the disease, you have to take their mouthwash. So people were scared, people were were worried that they had this disease. So they started buying this uh, mouthwash to to solve them, to solve their mouth, a bad breath problem. Now Jesus' solution uh, to fear, to worry, it's in verse 33. Use the energy, use the effort that's wasted in worrying to seek God, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Do that rather than seeking security, seeking safety in earthly possessions. Why don't we trust God? Well, that's because, well, one reason might be that it's, it's more tangible for us to, to trust in our ability to provide we trust ourselves much more than we trust God. We like to be in control of our situation. But Jesus shows us that we are not the ones who are in control. God is. God is the one who knows our situation and God is the one who cares for us. The one who feeds the birds, the one who clothes the fields, will surely meet your needs. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.